Hello, and welcome back to Hiram Arneson's Beethoven 250 podcast series. Today is day three, and we'll be talking about Beethoven's character and his personality. In general, I feel like there's a, a danger in sort of worshiping composers or other figures in our that in, of history. It's really easy to, easy to fasten ourselves to one characteristic of a composer or of a, another historical figure. So today I hope to give a complete picture of who Beethoven was, his character and his personality, and the ways that it changed throughout his life, um, and all the different complex, the complexities within it. Here are some adjectives that try to capture what Beethoven's character was like. He was ugly, proud, strong-willed, humorous and witty, serious, passionate, ill-tempered, organized, and messy, meticulous, dreamy, and distracted. So I think I could add a whole bunch of words to that little list there, but you can you can see already that there are a couple contrasting or conflicting characteristics. And it just goes to show that someone can be one thing at one time and another thing at another time. And also that one can have two conflicting characteristics. The first characteristic I want to talk about is his physical appearance. And I'm going to quote several people that left descriptions of him. Here's a description by Frau von Bernhard. She said that Beethoven was small and plain looking with an ugly red pockmarked face, dark shaggy hair and commonplace clothes. And then um, this is a quote from Giulietta Giugiardi. This is uh, this woman actually was a romantic interest of Beethoven's, and I think she kind of had a crush on him as well, but mostly because he was such an amazing and um, kind of sort of a genius personality in person. She said he was very ugly, both noble, sensitive, and cultured. So we've seen ugly a couple times, um, but he also had a good heart. He was noble. This is another quote from August von Klobe. He said that Beethoven was serious and had lively dark eyes and that he, that he Beethoven was seen tramping around singing to himself or lying in the sun for very long times. He also said that every mood that Beethoven went through was immediately and violently expressed in his countenance. So if he was sad, it was easily apparent that he was sad if he was Angry, it was very easily apparent as well. And if he was happy, again, very easily apparent. Um, when Beethoven was older, he sort of adopted his, his nephew, Carl. I'll talk about this more later. But um, Carl, his nephew, ran away once. And he ran away because he was so embarrassed about being around his shabby maniac of an uncle. So that just shows that meaning, that Beethoven had this sort of kind of crazy look. And I mean, we talked about him um, tramping around in the fields and through the forest. He did that a lot. He went on morning walks and he would sing to himself and he would compose. And really, he was quite a genius during this time. But he just looked like kind of someone who was crazy, a maniac. Um, there's a story about him later in his life in i can't remember which township outside of vienna but one of those small townships he lived in for a summer um, at the end of his life and 
there's a story of him getting lost during the night because he was so involved in what was going on in his, in his head, the compositions he was coming up with. And when he was found, he was wet and bedraggled and he looked like a ragamuffin. He was arrested and the constable took him to wherever he needed to take him and said, this man thinks he's Beethoven. He's completely crazy. And then one of Beethoven's friends was able to show up and confirm that it was in fact Beethoven. And of course the constable was um, struck by that because he had this image of Beethoven in his mind as this you know, high noble person. Um, we can also talk about his state of living. Carl Cherney, one of Beethoven's students, very important student, remembers that Beethoven had a dirty, unkempt room with only one chair at a Walter piano when he came and visited once. Um, he also noticed that Beethoven had his ears stuffed with cotton and that the cotton was stained with some type of yellow medicine, probably to help with his deafness. Towards the end of his life and throughout his life, even by the time Beethoven was 25 or so, he had just horrible health, liver problems, deafness, a drinking problem, which he probably inherited from the example of his father. So that's a little bit about Beethoven's physical appearance. And you can look up a whole bunch of portraits and uh, sculptures, death masks of Beethoven that were made during his lifetime, and they all show different um, kind of character traits of his as well. Beethoven, as I I've talked about in previous episodes, um, sought always for the ideals of the enlightenment. He was an enlightenment individual. And we can see this in his music. He was always concerned with um, the hero and the individual man and the common man as well. You can see that in Symphony Number no. 9. Um, we can talk about Beethoven leading to romanticism, but Beethoven himself operated within a classical classicist, classicist mindset. So that means that musically, he was thinking as a classicist was, he was thinking about where to go to get more tension and then resolve that tension, which is one of the most important um, parts of the classical style. So, for example, if you're a musician, you'll know what a, a flat six or a flat three chord is. And these, type, these types of median relations within a key became really popular and really important in the Romantic era. And Beethoven was one of the first ones to use these key areas, but he used them differently than the Romantic era um, composers did. He used them as areas of tension and to create enormous amounts of stress and tension within his pieces. Whereas the Romantics, even if they took that example from Beethoven of using these median relations, Romantics primarily used them as dropping out, kind of lowering themselves from tension and dropping into kind of a dream state or another, an otherworldly state. So Beethoven was a classicist. Beethoven was also a genius, as I've said before. He was easily distracted, and he often went into his raptus, which is his trance-like state when he was composing. And I want to talk a little bit about the word genius. Genius today means someone who is intelligent, has his own ideas, um, just incredibly smart. In the 18th century, when Beethoven was born, the word genius meant that 
it denoted a spirit that possesses someone. So for example, when Beethoven left um, Bonn to go to Vienna, his friends put together a little book called the Stammbuch, and they all wrote little things. It was kind of like a yearbook that you'd write goodbye messages or to, or something, in, or I'll see you over the summer or something. And one man, Count Waldstein, wrote, you will receive the spirit of Mozart from Haydn's hands. So what he meant by that is that he was going to receive the genius of Mozart. Mozart had recently died from Haydn's hand. He was going to receive that genius or that spirit. However, in the 19th century, the conception of genius turned into someone um, or it turned into the idea that the genius was the person or that the person was the genius. And this transition happened through Beethoven in some sense because Be people began to see Beethoven as the genius rather than a genius being inside of Beethoven. For this reason, Beethoven was seen throughout his life as sort of a, a demigod or kind of this, this romantic figure with, you know, superhuman brains and superhuman ability at the piano. Um, although he was very um, easily distracted, and as I said, he lived in very messy and disorganized quarters, he was also very organized in other areas. He kept notebooks, and he was very particular with his finances. He would write down things he needed to buy, people he needed to meet, how much he had spent on things, um, and he was always just really particular about his finances and these types of um, organizational things. He was also a very good businessman. He ran all of his own, most of his life, he ran his own um, business, meaning that he would write to publishers himself and he would offer his works to them so that, and kind of um, barter with them to get a higher price on his works. The next characteristic is one of his more important ones, I feel like. Beethoven was terribly impersonal, yet at the same time, he was able to speak through his music to the inner emotions of all of us. He was ill-tempered, he was bad-mannered, he did not know how people functioned, he didn't know how to work with people, he had frequent fits of rage, and he was in arguments with basically everyone he was ever close to in his whole entire life. Since Beethoven grew up with music being pounded into him from his father and his teachers, he never really learned to understand the world or loving or relationships. At school, he had no friends. They called him de Espanol or the, the Spanish because he kind of had a dark complexion and probably kind of a dark eyes, very serious. Um, he was really closest to, throughout his life, he was closest to those who were actually most distant. His mother he was always close to who had died and his grandfather also he was very close to all the rest that he saw constantly or was actually friends with in real life he had arguments with and afterwards often just would send one letter apologizing in another letter in a, in a fit of rage and so on um he was admired highly by the aristocracy in vienna but this was not because he courted their favors or because he deserved them in a, in a kind of um, aristocratic way. He, would, he didn't pander to what they needed or he didn't try to be someone else um, to, to pander to what they wanted. Rather, his gifts 
demanded that they fund him, that they um, respect him, and that they um, basically be his biggest fans. Um, Beethoven always felt like the the people of Vienna were frivolous. And at the end of his life, he said, all the Viennese are worthless. So he didn't really care for people all that much. But um, in another sense, he did because his music spoke to people and there were some people that he cared deeply about. And he cared, he cared deeply for humanity as a whole rather than individual people, which I'll talk about that a little bit later as well. There's uh, stories of Beethoven when he was living with um, a man named Prince Lichnowsky, who was a very important patron for Beethoven. Um, Lichnowsky would have recitals in his parlor or in his house, or he'd just have parties there. And while Beethoven was living there, he would often go down to the party and he would stick, in his, stick his head in the room first and look around. And if there was anyone there that he hated, he just left. So he had no reason to expect himself to be somewhere if he didn't want, really want to be there, or if there was someone there that he didn't like. As I said, Beethoven had arguments with all of those who were closest to him. In his letters, he, if he was mad at someone, he would often not even write their name. He would just write a line and just he just couldn't even write their name. Um, so he'd have that empty space for them. In summer of 1802, Beethoven and his brother, Carl, had a big argument and they fought in the streets and it was a big ordeal. Later in that year, in July, he fought with his best friend, Stefan von Brony. And then after that, there were a ton of mad and reconciliatory letters to Stefan. In late 1806, Beethoven had a big fight with Lichnowsky, which is um, important because Lichnowsky was paying Beethoven 600 florins per year, which I don't know exactly how much money that is, but it is a lot. It's a, it's a lot of money and it was a big portion of Beethoven's annual income. So Beethoven just picked up his scores, fled the palace, left Lichnowsky and gave away those 600 florins a year. Um, I love this quote from the book um, the Jan Spofford biography. This says, Beethoven's response to every challenge was outsized. The greater the challenge, the more aggressive his response. His outsized reactions made him chronically difficult man to get on with. That same drive to overreaction also more than once saved his art and saved his life. So as that says, Beethoven reacted very strongly to everything. He would either work harder or get more angry um, and any type of challenge that came up within his life, whether it was a challenge from outside or a challenge within him or a physical ailment, he would always react with even more force of spirit. So to some, here's another quote. If Beethoven was not mean, he was still proud, suspicious, paranoid, contemptuous of much of humanity. However, what he did understand as fully as anyone ever had was music and its connection to the heart and soul. If you listen to Beethoven's music, you get a sense that Beethoven is personally in this music and because he is experiencing something personal that is also in common with the rest of humanity, 
that his music really speaks to individuals back then in his day and individuals now. The next characteristic I want to talk about is his determination and his strong will. I kind of touched on this before. Um, Beethoven was able to concentrate his energy completely on what he was doing. He was focused on the future and he was very aggressive and disciplined. If he had a goal, he was going to accomplish it. By the time he was 18, Beethoven was already a very well-respected man in Bonn, where he was living. And um, he was admired for his music, of course, but also he was admired for this type of force in his spirit, his determination. Throughout his life, Beethoven gained a lot of strength from different resolutions that he made. Here's a memo that Beethoven wrote for himself in 1794 when he was, that would have been 24. He said, courage, in spite of all weaknesses of the body, my spirit shall rule. You are 25 years old. This year must determine the complete man. Nothing must remain undone. And this is about the time where Beethoven starts to really take off and start composing a lot. Um, this theme of the spirit overcoming the body is a very common theme um, throughout his music. And we'll see other times I hope to talk about in different episodes where um, Beethoven would make similar resolutions and just have incredible, um, incredible strength from them. One of them is the Heiligenstadt Testament and another is a letter to his immortal beloved. The next characteristic I want to talk about is his pride and confidence. He knew that he was extraordinary. He knew he was a genius. He was very self-critical, but he was never self-doubting. And we saw this in his um, pianistic abilities. When he came to Vienna, he was uh, the best pianist there and he knew it and he confidently um, destroyed all of his rivals in those little piano duels that he had. Beethoven had a sense of pride or disdain towards audiences, listeners, and, review and reviewers. He said, the mob of listeners the composer doesn't need to worry about. They never know what they want and never truly understand anything. Woe to the composer who heeds such men. He will deny his talent. The great composer doesn't get drawn into the mob. So whereas before um, musicians and composers would walk this fine line of trying to advance their art but also catering to what the crowd wanted. Beethoven didn't care at all what the crowd wanted. He just made music and he made he put forth the music music that was within him and he didn't care what people were thinking. This created some bad reviews for him. Some of his works were not well received at all. But then a couple of years later they were received uh, much better when people started to understand his music better. He, Beethoven, saw the aristocracy as equals, patrons and admirers. He almost felt like he was a little bit above them. And this was a very important part of his thought because um, it really affected his life later on. As I said before, later in his life, after his brother Carl died, Beethoven sort of adopted his um, nephew, Carl. And um, there were a whole bunch of lawsuits and things. Beethoven was basically trying to keep his nephew, Carl, away from Carl's mother, whom Beethoven did not like at all. So 
Beethoven appealed to um, the courts. And the important thing here is that Beethoven appealed to the Landrecht, which is the nobleman's court or the, um, the, the court which the aristocracy would use, not the magistrat or the common people's court. And really Beethoven was not um, an aristocracy. So this later came back to hurt him because the Landrecht basically at, at one point decided, you know, you can't have this, this case here because you're not aristocracy. And that hurt Beethoven's pride incredibly and threw, it, threw him into deeper depression. Um, just a little note about this as well. Beethoven's name is important. Beethoven or Ludwig von Beethoven, that V-A-N in von Beethoven, that was usually a symbol of um, royalty actually at that time. But for Beethoven, it wasn't. He His von, V-A-N, came from his Flemish ancestry rather than from royalty. But Beethoven just kind of assumed throughout his life that because he was so incredible and because he, he had that von in his name, that he was um, so, that he should be considered royalty as well. The next characteristic, Beethoven was a family man, or at least he felt like he was a family man and he wanted to be a family man. Um, when he was younger in his teenage years, because his father was such a delinquent drinker, um, Beethoven pretty much was caring for his brothers and his anything with his family by the time he was 17. Um, and throughout his life, he always looked after his brothers almost to a degree of excessive control. In his letters to his brothers, you always see this sort of brotherly instinct, a protective in instinct in them. Beethoven was also always looking for romance and he wanted desperately to be a father. By the time that he was, he realized that he wasn't ever going to fulfill that dream. Um, it was, a terrible shock to him. And it was one of the reasons why he was so um, controlling over his nephew, Carl, because he felt like that was his last chance to be a sort of father figure in his life. I will talk more about Beethoven's romances um, at a, another in another episode. That will be a fun one. Um, Beethoven had a sense of humor he had this famous pun about Bach, um, some backstory to this. Bach in German means brook, like a stream or a brook. Um, and Beethoven would say that his name ought not to be Bach or brook, but ocean, using the German word for ocean, because of his infinite and inexhaustible wealth of combinations and harmonies. Beethoven was always making puns, always poking fun, um, he lived with a family for a while and he was teaching the two little girls and um, he was just incredibly funny during this time. The One of the little girls wrote that he pretty much lightened her world because it was so dark before he came and then because of his humor, it just really lightened her world up. Um, this is an, another type of humor, kind of a darker humor, <laughs> is that Beethoven loved to play with his audiences. So during some of these improvisational um, concerts he would give, 
he would lure the audience in with his improvisation into like this sort of trance-like state and like really quiet and um, beautiful playing. And then all of a sudden he would just start banging on the piano, making harsh and dissonant sounds. And then he would look around and see everyone jumping and looking around and he would just laugh hysterically that he had played this huge joke on them to really play on their emotions with the music he was making. Um, Beethoven was also um, religious in a sort of way. He believed in a higher power, in a God, but he did not go to church. Um, rather, he looked to nature for as his source of um, inspiration or um, belief in a higher power. Um, he believed in life after death, but he didn't attend any services and he, he, it wasn't anything particularly Christian. Um, the, book, the book says that his spirituality was personal, emotional, rather than dogmatic. Later in Beethoven's life, he wrote a wonderful work called the Misa Solemnis, which um, takes the different parts of the, of the mass and sets them to music. It was a very common thing for composers to do. And uh, it seems that Beethoven did this not exactly because he wanted to contribute to the um, repertoire of masses, but rather because he wanted to um, he wanted to serve the higher power that he believed in, and he also just wanted to master this very venerable genre that many composers had had mastered. Near the end of his life. Beethoven experienced more and more of um, this type of religion, seeking inward his own feelings and also looking upwards to the stars, looking outwards to nature and seeking for God in his life. And you can actually see that in some of his music as well and in lots of his letters to people. Lastly, I want to mention, after I mention all of these sort of um, negative parts of Beethoven, that he was proud and self-willed and um, ugly. Beethoven had a wonderfully generous spirit. After about 1812, Beethoven pretty much decided that he would stay alive because he wanted to give his music to humanity. He felt like he was a servant to humanity and that he needed to, he needed to get all the art that was within that was within him onto paper, um, give it to the world. So in that sense, Beethoven was a servant to humanity and served all those around him. And I'll end with this quote. Here was a microcosm of, microcosm of what all his music does. It captures life in its breath of, so of sorrow and joy, spoken to and for the whole of humanity. Beneath the paranoid, misanthropic, often unbearable surface, Beethoven was among the most generous of men. So in closing, I'll just read that short list again of Beethoven's characteristics. He was ugly, proud, strong-willed, humorous and witty, serious, passionate, ill-tempered, organized yet messy, meticulous, dreamy and distracted, but yet Beethoven was a wonderful servant to humanity. Thank you.